Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I am Hayden, and I'm going solo today as Pastor Evan is out on vacation in California. We're praying that he is having a refreshing uh, vacation, and he'll be ready to come back soon, uh, just full of energy. We're looking forward to that. Be praying for him when you think about him on his vacation. But at Compass, as always, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, in this sermon on the Mount, we have picked up the topic of divorce, which is a very difficult topic, uh, not uh, incredibly because the scriptures are ambiguous on it, but because this is such a pervasive issue in our culture, and it does hit home as well as uh, has a lot of uh, nuances in it, as sin often creates in the life of people. And so as a life group leader, this is going to be a really important podcast for you to listen to, I hope, because I want to help you wade through this as you are leading your life group this week. But the preaching point is simply this, that a personal commitment to God's original intent for marriage is a necessary component of faithfully following Jesus. And so we have to have a personal commitment to God's original intent for marriage. And if we're going to talk about divorce, we got to talk about God's original design. And then that text that we get this, uh, we derive our preaching point from, is Matthew 5, 31 through 32, which says that Jesus also said that whoever, no, Jesus says that it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And the teaching points from this sermon were this. Number one, to recover God's permanent design for marriage. Two, honor marriage as a reflection of Christ and the church. And three, tenaciously guard your marriage covenant. If we just go through this text, and maybe I can address some, some, at least some contextual things and maybe some historical things that you would find interesting as we go through this text. And Jesus said it was also said, uh, we, we understand that in that time there was a lot of talk that is even in the Old Testament about divorce certificates. And divorce certificates were necessary because sin was a pervasive reality. And so men gave divorce certificates to their wives for, as we've seen in the sermon, for a many number of reasons. But a divorce certificate was simply a legal document signed by two people that uh, basically dissolved the marriage and gave the woman a right to remarry. There's a lot of reasons for that, but w- what we need to understand is the context that that's what a divorce certificate was in that time. And rabbis had used that text from Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4, to give license for a divorce for anything, even though, as we heard in the sermon, the context for Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, was forbidding a man to remarry his ex-wife after the wife's second husband had died. And we can see that they have gone a real long way to expand that concession to any cause divorces. And Jesus clarifies that by saying, anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And so we had the QR code, and we had a couple of questions come in that I'd love to address uh, for you life group leaders, at least let you know some questions that are coming in. Maybe you can... Uh, address these as well. One says, you know, when it comes to wives submitting to their husbands, uh, what if the husband asks them to sin? Well, you know, that's a a simple answer. Uh, Although a good question to make sure that we have that one uh, solidly 
uh, answered biblically is, of course, if anyone asks you to sin, we don't sin, right? Uh, and we shouldn't have husbands asking their wives to sin. And if we do, wives are not uh, accountable to uh, submitting and obeying their husband that's leading them to sin or that's asking them to do something that's sin. Um, I also had somebody ask me a question uh, when we were talking outside in the lobby a few minutes ago, as we're recording this right after Sunday service, uh, about uh, how, how did they ask the question uh, as far as the innocent and guilty party in, in marriage. You know, if the guilty party are they allowed to remarry? And biblically, the answer to that is, is no. The guilty party is not uh, is not allowed to remarry, and uh, unless they're in, in, well, they would be committing adultery. The innocent spouse or the innocent party in the marriage who was sinned against has a freedom to remarry biblically, and so. Uh, even when we look in the text of Scripture, uh, and even the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, this idea that the innocent spouse should have the is, is does have the freedom to remarry, although it's a broken marriage, it's it's, it's really difficult to uh, it's really difficult uh, lifestyle to lead when you know that you've had a broken marriage, and if there's kids involved, it makes that even more difficult. But that idea of remarrying is a real possibility for the innocent party. And for that one who has caused the marriage and caused us, they're living in adultery that they have not repented of and would be continually committing adultery. And so remember, we always ask, are we allowed to do something? Well, what would make something unallowable? Because it causes sin. And so when we think about these things, well, does God let me murder? Well, no, murder is sin. Well, do you, can you, could you still commit murder if you wanted to? Well, absolutely, but you'd be living in sin. You'd also have legal consequences. But this idea of saying, am I allowed to, is asking, does God permit these things while maintaining a right relationship with him? And well, we're going to say, hey, if you're guilty of adultery, you need to go make reconcile. Because that's the problem is you have a, you've had a hard heart, a heart of sin, and you are unable to reconcile with your spouse because of your ongoing sin. Uh, that's a hard question, and there's some nuances of that one as well. But as life group leaders, you're going to learn that there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of like I've said, ongoing nuances in this sermon. But staying focused on God's original intent and design for marriage is going to help you stay clear. Uh, in the principles of the sermon and the Bible's view on marriage uh, and without getting down the rabbit holes, which, again, a lot of the rabbit holes are going to come from people's sincere experiences in life, which you should be able to dialogue with and come to some really big biblical answers. Remember, we always ask, what does the Bible say about that? Uh, however, uh, we need to recognize, hey, if we're going down rabbit tra- trails, get back to what is the... Uh, design for marriage. What was God's plan and design for marriage? And then we can go to Scripture and say, hey, this has happened in my life. What does Scripture say about it? Because Scripture has a lot to say about marriage uh, and quite a bit to say about divorce as well. And so I encourage you guys, make sure you're doing you, you're doing some due diligence, reading some good books. I have uh, quite a few good books I would encourage you guys to read uh, that I have read, even in my doctoral research, that I think are helpful books in the... Uh, the vein of divorce and remarriage. Uh, one of them is Divorce and Remarriage in the Bible, the Social and Literary Context. I think that's a really good... Uh, Instone Brewer is the uh, is the author. 
excuse me, of that book. I think that's a really helpful book to read. I think, uh, let's see, uh, Remarriage and Divorce uh, in Today's Church is another good one. Mark Strauss, Gordon Wenham, and uh, William Keener. Um, these guys all have different positions, but you can at least start reading how people view divorce and remarriage uh, in the church. And then one other book that I would that I have that I've read through is uh, Andrew Corns. He's uh, he's he's got a book called Divorce and Remarriage: Biblical Principles and Pastoral Practice. Another good book you can read on divorce uh, and remarriage in the church. But those main texts you're going to find in Matthew 5, Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 7, Deuteronomy 24. Uh, Leviticus has quite a few um, texts on uh, marriage as well that I think could uh, be helpful just to know. But those are the main texts that you're going to find uh, discussing marriage, divorce, so forth. So as we look at the three points, recover God's permanent design for marriage. I've been saying this ad nauseum throughout the sermon, but to recover God's permanent design for marriage is is pivotal to understand at all what divorce is. If divorce is the absolution of marriage, we need to understand the design for marriage is a permanent uh, design. And so if I'm having to wade through, well, divorce is to get rid of something that God has made permanent, I have to then begin saying, I can't do that. And if there are allowances for this, I've got to weigh the fact that is this a biblical allowance? Even though I'm allowed to do this, I'm not required to do this, then i got to start seeking biblical counsel, God's Word, uh, to figure out is this the right thing to do because Scripture makes it clear that the design for marriage is permanent. And so recovering God's permanent design for marriage is going to slow down any reactionary decision-making when it comes to hard marriages, which I think is a very... Uh, helpful place for us to start when it comes to biblical uh, reconciliation and marriage and even talking about divorce. Point number two, to honor marriage as a reflection of Christ in the church brings us back to the nature of marriage and the character that it's supposed to uh, support uh, and reflect to say, okay, my marriage, whether I'm in conflict, a disagreement, or even if we're not even on the same page, I've got to make sure that I'm reflecting Christ in the church and understanding the gender roles that play a part in that, husbands and wives, in that relationship the church has with Christ and Christ with the church. You're going to be able to work through so many things as we fulfill the roles that our marriage, uh, as it was permanently designed at creation to provide for us, it actually gives us a helpful and I, template, but more than a template, like a, a, an eternal at least as long as the world is uh, is turning before Christ comes uh, and uh, creates a new heaven and new earth, we are recognized that this template, this framework, this matrix that God has given us for marriage, it, it fixes so many of the problems that we ourselves create because we go outside of God's original intent for marriage and we come to places where we can't resolve conflict or we can't uh, we can't think that we could move past. Uh, really difficult time in our marriage uh, because we aren't because we get to this place where we don't believe in the permanent design for marriage and we're not honoring marriage as a reflection of Christ in the church and living out those principles in our marriage it would be difficult without those two realities to believe that I could continue in my marriage so we have to start with those and thirdly in light of those we tenaciously guard our marriage covenant 
And from there, we're going to say, hey, I'm going to guard my marriage covenant because of what it reflects about God uh, and his design for the world. And I'm going to make sure that I am, as Hebrews 12 teaches me, that I'm going to make sure that I honor marriage, or Hebrews 13, uh, rather, Hebrews 13, 4, and it tells me to let my marriage and let all marriage be held in honor among all. And that is just a really important passage for us to think, how should I, in a simple way, think about marriage? It should be held in honor among all. When we look at marriages, when we think about other people's marriages, um, we recognize I would honor those. And it would make people think twice about meddling in other people's marriages, whether that's just through gossiping or lustful thinking. Like we should think twice when we want to meddle with the thing that God has permanently designed to reflect Christ in the church. I'm going to tenaciously guard uh, that, and I'm going to tenaciously guard my own thoughts against other people's marriages. So it allows me uh, to uh, live out uh, honoring my marriage by guarding it tenaciously and just guarding the institute of marriage in general. And finally, as you guys are working through your application questions, just an encouragement. I, I wrote some pretty ap- applicable uh, questions. I don't think any of these would be too, t- too difficult, but they're designed to help you guys get a couple layers deep. And so answer the question. And as other questions come up that are worthy of uh, inspecting and, and pursuing, I encourage you as life group leaders to help your group uh, work through their, uh, their questions. And I hope this podcast and the resources I've given you would help to equip you in some of those areas. I'll give you a couple of questions on here. Question number three says, how does recognizing that sinful hearts are at the bottom of every divorce give genuine hope that as the heart is redeemed, so the marriage can be redeemed? I mean, this whole concept of reconciliation, the redemptive work of Christ should play a real important part in our marriage covenant. And as we've been redeemed, we should also be able to uh, practice that redemptive work in our marriages, no matter how bad they are. Uh, as long as we can, as long as like, we understand that there is a possibility to look past sin, not to overlook it, but to move past it through rede- the redemptive work of the gospel work in our life and in our marriage, we can see a lot of dead things brought to life and a lot of broken things redeemed and put back together. Uh, another question here, question two, tells you to read Malachi 2 and Matthew 19, and it says, how does a biblical view of God's permanent design for marriage challenge the prevailing idea of divorce and remarriage? I think sitting on this question for a while and really batting back and forth, uh, their culture's idea of divorce and remarriage are going to be uh, fruitful for your group uh, and to help you guys come up and say, wow, there's just a lot of unbiblical ideas of divorce and remarriage. And let's get back to what God's word says about it. I think it'll help us a lot. And to come up with how really unbiblical have maybe my views been about divorce and remarriage according to scripture. And, uh, Undoubtedly, emotions will be attached to this, and so I just encourage you guys to be compassionate and loving and caring and gentle with your group, but don't back down from the truth. We can't allow our own feelings to tell us what is true. Uh, we got to allow God's Word to tell us what is true. I hope these things are helpful in this short podcast today. I'm encouraged by what God's doing at our church. We see it growing. We see it producing fruit. All the good things that you would hope to see in a church. And I pray that today, celebrating the Lord's Supper, as you think back on that this week, would help us uh, recenter our hearts and our minds on uh, on Christ and, and what He has done on our behalf, and that we would live for Him. So, Life Group leaders, I'm grateful for you. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Mm-hmm.